Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Where to hunt podcast? Hi, I'm Dan Small, host of Outdoor Wisconsin, and I listen to Where to Hunt. Man, it's okay. I'm Kurt Geyer with Working Class Bow Hunter. I listen to Where to Hunt podcast, and it's decent. It's decent. Uh, it's all right. Hey, this is Bud Fisher with Catching Deers, and I think the Where to Hunt podcast is all right. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Where to Hunt podcast. Today is uh, April 14th, 2020. Hold on, Greg. Hold your horses. Uh... Damn it, you totally derailed me, you son of a gun. You muzzle me all the time. Come on. Uh, the one time, no. Uh, well, this is the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts, a.k.a. the OKS podcast in the Midwest. I'm Eric, and... I'm Greg. There we go. Greg, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. Uh, surviving another week of uh, social distancing and kind of working from home i'm back and forth between work and home as of late with some projects but uh we're surviving all right survival is uh key a lot of people are in survival mode some people don't know that anything has happened around them it hasn't changed their life one bit and uh, there's a wide spectrum of how this is all impacting everybody but to each his own i suppose it's it's an interesting world this is a new time in history Better anyway, be safe and sorry. I've been drinking a, a shit ton of coffee. <sighs> yeah. Which is great for the backwoods grind. What kind palace. of coffee? <laughs> backwoods grind coffee. Okay. You know that okay. every batch they do is different than the last batch? Mm. Yeah, I think I did see uh, just recently that they posted something about uh, they roast in small batches. So yeah. definitely going to be different they said it's every an art. time they said uh you know based on how mm-hmm. they you know tweak the temperature at the time frame or whatever it's not an auto roaster or whatever that would be called um but the result sure. consistent quality is what i would say um i might even say that they've gotten better over time it's really good stuff so if you want to you know yeah. see what we're talking about we don't need to talk about coffee the whole time but we are drinking a shit ton of it here in my house a uh, crap ton of it and uh, you can head over to backwoodsgrind.com, enter in code W2H, and you can save yourself 10%. I think that's pretty neat. I was um, on lunch doing some mulch, loading up my truck bed to bring a load to the backyard. And I was like, well, I could just wear regular shoes, but then I'll probably get a bunch of mulch in my shoes. So I put on my gum leaves. And uh, I don't know, Greg, what do you know about Gum Leaf USA? Well, I know that Gumleaf USA boots are 85% real rubber. 
How's that? That sounds pretty Real good. rubber? Natural rubber? Natural. 85% natural rubber. So that means there's no PVC. 85% no additives. natural rubber. No PVC. No additives. We could sound like an infomercial if we wanted to. Comfort that last. No, they yeah. really are great boots. And they a are Vibram soul like no yeah. other. <laughs> or a Vibram soul like every other Vibram that. soul. I don't know. They're, they're great. We, we got to get our crap together. Yeah, man, quit quit messing around over there. Um, you keep you keep stepping on me. I'm sorry. <laughs> my wife steps on my feet all the no, time and says it's my fault because my feet are so big. I'm like, I haven't moved. You walked into me. It's because you're not wearing your boots, man. Maybe that's why, man. You wear the boots. People respect you more. If you want to check out Gumleaf USA, it's worth checking out. Head on over to the website. It's gumleafusa.com, and you can enter code W2H2020 for 10% off. And it's a big purchase. That 10% goes a long way. Uh, finally, and, and we do another call out for these guys uh, later on in the show too, but VectorCustomShop.com. Uh, well, I was just talking with these guys today and they make some really special products. They make arrows built specifically for you and your hunting style, not just your draw length, your draw weight, but do you hunt out of a stand? Do you hunt in the ground? Do you hunt whitetails? Do you hunt elk? Um, they really take the time to get to know you as a consumer and build an arrow just for you. And then it arrives at your doorstep. Yep. So that's great. Uh, head on yeah, over to, you're awesome. see, I did it again. Uh, VectorCustomShop.com. Entering code dub, I'm sorry. Uh, where the number two, the word hunt. And you're, you're going to save 10%. It's like the 10% show. This is great. It is. Yeah. We're 10%. We save you 10%. I got so, nothing clever. Yeah, yeah, we save you 10%. That's what all we're good for. Call the Red Podcast. We'll save you 10%. All right. Yeah. We do have a guest with us on the line. Preston Zimmerman. What's up? Georgia. What's up, dude? How you doing? What's up? Good. How y'all guys? How you guys doing? We're good, man. Uh, I just poured a scotch. I, I don't think um, that's something that you can legally do yet. Uh Nope. <laughs> We're happy to have you. Way to rub it in his face, Eric. Sorry, Preston. But I've got a Gatorade right here. So, For those that don't know, Preston, you might be Gatorade. our youngest podcast guest that we've ever had. How, yeah. How old are you? Yeah. 17. Just turned 17 in March. Man, wow. you're a young Beginning in March. 17 again. Woo! He is a pup. I love it. But you are an experienced young buck. Um, I think we follow each other on Instagram, and you spend yeah about as much time as you can in the woods, from what I can tell. Yeah. Yeah, since my neighbors, they let me hunt. So, you know, if I get a chance, I'll try to get out there. You know, if I'm not hunting, I'm trying to at least sit in the stand and at least watch, near, even if it's the middle of the season. But... So you're getting an observation you know, sits too? Depends. Yeah, I just try to sit, you know, if I want to kind of get out there and just sit, you know, kind of cool off, I might do it. Well, yeah, so the, the, the weather in Georgia is a bit hotter than where we're at here in Wisconsin. What type of weather <laughs> yeah. do you have right now? I think it, it's like 80s. It's been, you know, 80 some days, 70 some days, and it might get to 50 one day or 60. Than that. The, just, the weather in Georgia is a bit hotter. I think today got maybe I looked this morning, it was like seventy degrees, I think was the high. But 
usually it's higher than the forecast and sometimes. Wow. So maybe usually, uh, weather for us. And yeah, and I think it's supposed to get chilly tonight. So yeah, well, it's, it's snowed kind of, here today. It's weird. It's pretty weird. I was doing mulch after work, um, and it started like full on, full on snowing, and I was like, "Oh, this is stupid." I'm going. I'm going inside. That's pretty dumb. So yeah, I could go for some of your weather. Severe weather. For you guys that come that or that live in the South that are listening, you know, Alabama and Georgia had in Texas all that area had some bad storms come through over Sunday evening hmm. and then the Monday morning. It got really bad. Hopefully everyone's all some right. Areas. Well we have um you know, I guess that uh, just for those that are starting to tune in and you know, for those that'll listen in podcast land, um you know, based on your hunting style, Preston, I think we were looking to talk about uh, suburban style hunting and uh, yeah. kind of how you approach that. And, and you've had some success, you know. So um, maybe just tell the audience a little bit about uh, your hunting style, uh, public, private, weapon of choice, you know, whitetail turkey. And then we can kind of just unfold it from there. So pretty much... I do both suburban and I go down to our hunting camp in Hancock County, which is in South Georgia. So really, I, basically how I got started hunting was we, me and my dad started hunting public. And this is back when, you know, we didn't know what we were doing, just trying to at least get out there and do something, squirrel hunt or whatever. So then we were looking, while we were doing that, we were looking for a club to get into and stuff. And one of our buddies ended up saying he's in the club when we got into the club down there in Hancock. But then before I, you know, I would hunt down there because my mom didn't let me hunt around the house. I had to go to my grandparents across the street from them, the suburban hunt. And then things kind of at home. So then, I, you know, now I hunt behind the house and all that and stuff. Now I've got three suburban spots. And I got our Hancock County property or lease. So pretty much private land. So mostly private. But you got three yeah. different plots that you're yeah, kind of bouncing private. around from? Yeah, I'm hunting around from... I got at my grandpa's cousins and a family friend of my grandpa and my neighbors in my house. So I'm pretty much saying the neighbors in our house is kind of like one property, if you want to say. And what what is public land? I really don't what, is, mind that. what is the public land access like down down in Georgia? Um, is there a big opportunity for that, or, pretty, or not really? It's pretty good, but we, we when we went out down to public land, we kind of ran into to some people, and it probably wasn't the best experience. I mean, one experience was really weird. One time we were trying to find a way out. And some people were living off and out in the middle of nowhere. We had to ask them how to get out of here. And they said, just go down here and you're out. And one time, we this is actually a weird situation. There's some guys fighting, we think, because the guy's truck wouldn't start. And the guy had, the guys that truck wouldn't start had blood on his nose running down it. 
This is out in the middle of nowhere in the public land. And they have leaves all on each other. It wasn't, you know, you see that and you're like, this isn't right. So I was walking around this camp and there's just trash all over the place. So it it wasn't the best public land experience, but I'd help them out. But my dad think he was doing something he wasn't supposed to. That's interesting. Um, so public land has certainly got its challenges, but I I haven't seen anything like that. It does. Um, and Greg, you you and what, hunt. Yeah, here's it. I was gonna say uh, real quick, Greg, you hunt um, a little bit of both, but you've had some woes on private land, like with you know neighboring properties and things. Yeah, it's always pretty interesting, uh, especially when you're hunting suburban land and it's a small piece of property. And that was my experience was, you know, it was nine acres and all the adjoining properties were smaller than that. So you had people walking by and you had, um, you know, if they're walking their dogs or their kids roaming around and or their pets, their dogs that they let off leash, they end up right underneath your tree stand. Um yeah, it, it definitely poses some interesting challenges. And, you know, it's pretty fun to still see deer do deer things in that environment. You know, they they still are deer, but they have a tendency to pattern people. So, you know, I guess that's, they, they pattern you eventually, especially if you're only able to hunt one or two stand locations on that property. And then the other is they, you know, they're patterning the neighbors when the neighbor lets their two golden retrievers out in the morning at the same time every day. So, yeah, it can be pretty interesting. You know, I, I was doing a little bit of and research. One time- I was going to say, I was doing a little bit of research on just suburban hunting real real quick, and, and Preston, I'll let you yeah. I'm the best interrupter in the world. People that listen must just hate me, but... Um, Greg, you talk about the deer patterning the the kind of the neighborhood almost to some degree. Um, it almost it reminds me of like when I hunt uh, county parks and state parks with walking trails where the deer might be a little bit more used to human scent. Um, how do you deal with scent control in a suburban setting? Do you care as much? Does it matter as much? You know what what types of tactics do you do with that? I know my buddies. From seek one they they say scent is a thing where they hunt i think when you first start out it may not be because once like the deer that you before i started hunting them at my house you this might sound crazy to a lot of you guys you can get crazy close to them because everybody would feed them and stuff and watch them so you know that would kind of then once they started hunting them they're like wait a minute this isn't right so then, you know, they're more skittish of humans now in our area. So I guess you could say, yeah, it might, it may not. This season, it might, I don't know. But I'm, especially for those older bucks that come off the river, I'm sure they do. Pay attention to scent. When these bucks come off the river, you can't get as close before we, when we were feeding them and people feed them, you could, you could get close to all the does, like the neighborhood does that would come by every day, but the bucks that come off the river in a rut, you could not get, but maybe 50 yards from them at the most, because they're really aware of humans. 
So that's good. I'm done. So no, no, that's good. It's good. Uh, I would imagine the more mature ones, right? They more cognizant of what's going on around them. I just think that you know people are having <laughs> bonfires or or whatnot or hanging laundry to dry. That the human scent might be. I don't know. I guess if it's in their bedroom, right, then it's going to matter more. But yeah, um, trying to use some of that stuff to your advantage. But it, you say they're coming off the river. What are they what, like for food sources in a suburban setting? What I don't know. I, I have birds, or sorry, live birds. I have deer that come to my bird feeder like daily. Right there on this little routine and pattern of you know hitting up all the houses for for bird seed and and whatever we have out. Uh, I got to imagine it's different than like the local cornfield or something. It's it's really different. So, have you ever seen a deer a deer eat a rosebush? I guess I haven't. Greg, yep. have you? Yeah, they like uh, they like a lot of different plants, and that's part of what got me my permission. But we're not here to talk about my permission when I did Durban hunt. We're talking to uh, to Preston here. But yeah, they they like a lot of different things. Um, well, we never seem to meet a rosebush for many years here at, behind our house. And all of a sudden, they started eating the heck out of the rosebush. They would eat all these deer-resistant plants. And it's like, because there's almost no food in our area. So, you know, we would put out corn for them. But now, you know, I run feeders sometimes, you know, and just kind of give them a little something to eat. But there's, it's all closed cans. Like, the areas that have woods, closed canopy, nothing, almost nothing on the ground. Any vegetation. I mean, they could eat yards and flowers and stuff, or what people put out for them, and that's all they got. Yeah, the the general bras that they might have. I mean, up here that you know we have to pay very close attention to food sources, um, to know you know where they're bedding and then where they're going to get their food. And in a rural setting, that's a bit different than if they're just going to the local neighborhood feeder. Um, so patterning is maybe trickier um, in a rural setting, but it sounds like you have some of the deer in your neighborhood patterned pretty well, would you think? or As of last season, when I first started hunting it, and maybe maybe in middle, you know, right when I stopped hunting, right when the season started to tell off, if you don't have feeders or any type of food, in the area around they're not going to come as much but like they would they'd be like on the five o'clock schedule so every day they'll be here at five uh, i notice every day they're going to hit this area about five to six five to six it'd be like that every day so they just make a loop around the whole area that they arrange basically and when they shot the buck um, opening weekend, it was, uh, it, he was making, this bachelor group was making it like a rounds maybe every few days about the same time. So it's like every Sunday or Tuesday or Thursday, one of the two tea days of the week, they'll come by and then every Sunday they'll come by. And so I pretty much knew Sunday or one of the two or Tuesday or Thursday, whichever day it was, was going to be my best day to get them. And biggest buck out of the group. And you got a, a good looking buck. Was it what? last season? Yeah, that was last season. All right, before we hear about Preston's buck from last season, let's take a quick break for the shot of the week. 
All right, the shot of the week is brought to you by Vector Custom Shop. Head on over to VectorCustomShop.com, enter in code WHERE, the number two, the word HUNT, and get yourself 10% off. Uh, right now, they are running a pretty sweet deal. Every arrow you buy uh, enters you for a chance to win a Matthews VXR. So not every arrow specifically. Here's how it works. When you buy a test pack of arrows, you get one entry. When you buy half a dozen arrows, you get three entries. And when you buy a dozen arrows, you get six entries. It's capped at 300 entries. So uh, if you got to buy arrows, like there's a bajillion reasons you're going to want to check out Vector, but this is an added bonus. Uh, one that I don't know that is actually making a big impact because their arrows are so sought after as it stands. And when you actually go through their purchase process, uh, you're going to talk with their customer service and um, they're going to ask you questions like your your draw length, your draw weight, the specific bow model that you have. Does it have one cam? Does it have two? Um, and what kind of hunter are you? Are you uh, hunting on the ground? Are you hunting in a tree stand? Are you hunting in thick stuff, open stuff, elk, whitetail, turkey? Um, they're going to ask you all of these questions to really inform what type of arrow you're going to get from them and the build of that arrow. And then they, uh, you know, include the ethics archery inserts. And, uh, you know, these things are going to show up at your door and they're going to work with you to make sure that they're dialed in the way that they need to be before you go on and buy the next six or 12 or whatever, if you've started with a test pack. So, uh, let's get into our shot of the week story. This week's story comes from the Knights of the Apex, also known as Kota. If you check those guys out on Instagram, they have some pretty great content. AJ had written in and talked about his closest shot of his first bull kill in upstate New York. Uh, he said he was set up in a pine tree on the side of a decent incline with a logging road above, and it was heavily trafficked. Um, rock ledge below. It's the last 10 minutes of shooting. I'm reading his words here, so I'll just I'm just going to read what he has. He said, it's the last 10 minutes of shooting light when three does came crashing through the woods, chased by a decent nine-pointer. They circled behind him uh, once, and as he was coming up to full draw, the oldest doe, which was just five yards in front of him, stopped, <laughs> looked up, makes eye contact, and we've all been there. And at this point, uh, he said he, you know, he thought he was blown, but you know, the old doe gave him this look that said, I'm too old for this shit. Just kill this guy that's chasing us which is pretty comical. And so he slowly walked, uh, slowly walked off, drawing uh, the buck with her a mere seven yards away. The buck was quartering to him, so he tucked the arrow just behind his shoulder and sent his axis 300 on a diagonal end-to-end pass-through. He said he could hear the air leave the buck's lungs as he jumped and took off into the woods, passing the biggest freaking buck he'd ever seen on their property before disappearing into the brush. He said, that's, uh, that's right, not 15 yards away was a significantly bigger buck just standing there watching this whole thing play out. It was probably only 140-class buck, but for their property, it may have well have been a 200. He said he only had a single buck tag, and he had just scored his first deer ever with a bow, so he wasn't too broken up about missing the opportunity at the other one, but he called his dad to tell him the news, watch a giant ease off, and recovered the deer in the dark with the help of his two cousins. So he said he couldn't ask for a cooler experience his family friend ended up begging the big one, and uh, that was on opening day of gun season. So he said a little, uh, not bitter about it at all, but that's uh, that's one crazy shot, man. Thanks for sharing that with us, and uh, let's get back to Preston's interview. How did that one go, How did that one go down? He, 
Do what? How did how did you get him? Well, I with my bow, and I because it's bow only in the suburban areas, so I was, you know, sitting up in a tree. And there's really all the trees. There's no cover around them. And the younger buck, the smallest young buck, was you know walking around and stuff, and right in front of me. And then the older, bigger deer were probably thirty. 35 yards away, and they would not come any closer. They were they just had me pinned and looking at me the whole time. Did and you... one buck had velvet right up into the opener. Mm-hmm. So I was hoping, you know, if the buck still had velvet, May, not May, um, September 15th is really late to have a buck on velvet with velvet. So we were like, Okay, if he still has velvet, by oh, if I see him again, I'm going to shoot him over the biggest deer. That's just not heard of, really. That's kind of cool. Um, I've never yeah. shot that early in the season for a velvet buck. Uh, Greg, I don't know if you have. I haven't seen any in the woods that that have had velvet. No, be pretty cool. No, Our season not, is not around here. Pretty early. Ours is too. Ours is middle of September. I mean, it's it's earlier than quite a few of the states around, but it's not as early as out out west in some cases where they're allowed to hunt them in August already. I had a buddy call me uh, two yeah. two days ago um, that said he he saw a doe across. This is uh, nearby, like you know, my neck of the woods uh, off of Highway 16 mm-hmm. in between Delafield and Heartland. He saw a doe across. 16, then he saw a nice-sized buck with his rack still on. This was two days ago, April 12th. Does that seem weird? Yeah, I had a... There's still a few deer's antlers still on down here. The younger ones or the small rack bucks still have antlers, some of them. Yeah, I don't know what the... the, I don't know. I know that's like, maybe that's an outlier. I'm not sure, but... I know there's other, you know, environmental conditions that play into that. We didn't have that harsh yeah. winter here in Wisconsin. Um, I would like to say another public land experience. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. This, we were turkey, yeah, we were turkey hunting up in the mountains, and this is up in the like far north Georgia, and this is the, it's called the Cahuta Wilderness, and. There's a lake at the top of the mountain. I think it's the highest elevated lake in our state. And the hills are just straight up. And they had a bike race going on, opening week in the turkey season. And when the bikers were going down the hill in the gravel, it sounded like cars going down the road. It it was crazy. And we're like, we're not going to see anything. There's just all this ruckus going down the road and then we stopped we were eating a turkey sandwich you know we were eating lunch <laughs> and they're pushing their bikes up the mountain and they're like you guys had the right idea it was it was pretty funny then we come off the public land a few miles down the road there's a whole flock of turkeys out in this valley it's like okay you're going to be off the mountain and not up there where we were but people, we heard people, they pack in and pack out of this place. It's a good, it's hilly country, it's steep. People pack 
pack in and pack out. And the thing I don't agree with our with with our state what they have to do. You cannot get a bear a bear on the site. You have to pack the bear out whole because you have to weigh the bear at a weighing station. Really? Which How is, many people hunt bear out there? It's like, so you're going to tell me you're going to carry a like a couple thousand pound animal out, and you can't have the game cart? You can't, I don't think you're allowed to have the game cart. I'm not sure about that. I know you can't have ATVs. But you're going to tell me you're going to pack a whole bear over mountains to this place. I don't get it. But, you know, this is, I think everything has its own downfall or down pawn to everything on public land. Well, I would say hunting in Georgia with the heat would be tough. We got a buddy down in Arkansas that, you know, uh, it's pretty hot down there. So his early season, it's like, you know, 90 degrees. It's like, I don't know how, you, yep. I, don't know how I would do that. Like, what is it? What is your opening season temperature like down there? If you go down to our hunting property in Hancock, which is south Georgia, our property is kind of located in this little strip. Our lease is in this strip of land or area of the state that gets the hottest in the state. You go down there midsummer, it may only be 95 degrees, but it's going to feel like it's 110 sometimes. Ugh. That's how bad it is. And if it's 100 degrees, it's going to feel like it's 120, maybe. it's. We've been down there in that, and you're just constantly drinking water Gatorade. It's, it's not fun. No, that's that's a whole Opening different day, ball game, man. I mean, we... Yeah. Oh, man. Although... Opening you know, day, it can get up to 95. It's been 95, I think, opening day before. So, it's opening weekend. And then, have you ever gotten a deer on, op- on the opener in those hot temps? Nope, almost. Um, almost uh, missed a doe. With, actually, yes, this was in Gwinnett. But down there, no, I missed the um, doe. It was in the morning. I would struggle. And it was my first, you know, first time ever drawing the back on a deer with a doe. But I think the hottest it was a weekend after. There was the second weekend of the of the second week of season, and I shot a doe. Gwinnett. That's hot, man. And we're back. I, yeah, Greg dropped off for In a second. In the suburban there. area. <laughs> Greg, what happened? Right. Do you go to a bad cell spot in your house or what? To me? Greg did. Ah, you there, Greg? Man, he's having some cell phone problems. I think. Uh, that's okay. If you're there, Greg, you can talk. No, no. I'll just uh try to get him back on one more time here. Sorry about that. All right. Um. Anywho, you know, like. I, I hunt early season, but it's a challenge. I, I really hate mosquitoes like a lot uh, more than your average bear. And when it's that hot, it's like when you get a deer, I feel like you have to deal with the meat really fast, you know, and then you got to obviously get some ice bags yep. and pack that in there. But that that's a different type of challenge. Yeah. And the ticks, right. 
one of the cow pastures. One's overgrown and one's kind of overgrown, and it's got some tall weeds growing. One they keep cows on, one oh, they don't. That's why. North America. Oh, I'm not able to take your phone call right now. If you leave your name and number, I'll get back to you. All right, so Craig's having some phone issues. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry, so, everybody. Um, Sorry, Preston. Anyways, yeah, it, no, that's fine. So anyways, the ticks were on it. It's bad. This is overgrown hayfield. Sometimes I pull off maybe five ticks crawling up me. How many? Did you say seventy-five? I went down there today. Did you say seventy-five five. ticks? Five. So, okay. No, just five. Oh my god. It depends on the day, you know. But it it is bad in these hayfields, and you know it. I went down there today, didn't find any, but I had to go check on some cameras and stuff like that. How many cameras are you running? On one pro on the so the, there's a road that divides the property. So I um run two on the other. It's about a hundred acres, a little over hundred, maybe about eighty on the other side. So I know the other half got two, and the up I got one right now. Then I got one on my smaller properties that are only about an acre. <clears throat> Do you have any strategy behind trail cams? Or are you doing anything in particular with those? If you're on private land, you don't got to worry about no, that, hopefully. Uh, yeah, kind of. You know, <laughs> in the suburbs, you kind of do. Got to worry about people stealing them. Uh, got a picture of a trespasser. I mean, the property wasn't posted, this the field. But we're probably going to have to post it just because he was walking on the fence line. And all that so we more than likely we want to post it here soon just to make sure and people do trespass we can you know take care of it not even let the landowner know that he had a trespasser and all that so you're notifying the landowner hey guys i think you might have a trespasser um someone accessing the property that's not me yeah and i got a trail cam picture of him he walks by Comes back 20 minutes later, does something with the camera. I don't know what he was doing. It was really weird. But he had never got his a frontal face view of him. He, his face was like off to the side. So you knew it was there. It, and then he had his girlfriend or whatever with him walking. And making it even worse, had a, he had a pistol on him. So. Oh, great. I didn't. I haven't been down there since I haven't been down there since. You know, really, since that picture. So I went down there today just to make sure nothing got stolen since that incident with the picture. Crap. So, you know, I just, you know, I, I don't want to have to run into him, you know, not knowing what he's going to do. If I can't legally carry, so, you know. Yeah, it's kind of sketchy. What, um, that's kind of weird. What what are you doing for turkey season? What's your turkey season like down there? What are the when is it kick off? What are you gonna hunt? We're trying to get down this weekend or sometime this week. We went out opening weekend. They wouldn't cooperate. We heard a bunch of hens on Saturday opening weekend or opening day. Sunday they were gobbling a lot more. And then just wouldn't come in across the property line. There was a chance it would have been across creek. How and how many acres is the property but you're hunting? Hunt, uh, 
it's mostly plenty of time, so I would say about 250-something maybe at the least. I think it's 250-something. And do you have access to all of that, or you got like a, a chunk of it or a segment? We got access to all of it. Most of it is really thick. So you, if you wanted to hunt in the middle of the pine thickets, you would have to cut like a big trail or a, at least a good trail with a weed eater to get to an opening in the pines. Hmm. So in a very small portion, we got little hardwood fingers and stuff running through. Okay. And what's your setup going to be for and turkey? Then, are you going to hunt just on the ground? Are you going to do any sort of ground blind or um, what's your I strategy? I've got a ground blind on a platform. A big ground blind on the platform. And uh, I shot a, a doe in a fawn or yearling. This was towards the end of the season. Actually, this was my last deer down there for the season. Shot in a doe and they fawn this kind of ran off on the side and looked around it's like you're going to tell me i shot a gun and the other deer just stand around looking around yeah, it's really the best know where it's coming from you know? sometimes they don't they get pretty confused about that i've shot deer then and then they've run they've ran at me you know and that doesn't get trampled by a buck one time sometimes i mean that I, happens. I am what was it i they almost walk under this platform. I swear they go right under it. And spikes go under it, which you can't legally shoot a spike in Hancock County in some counties. Cannot shoot them. So spikes, I'll just watch the spike go right underneath me. Um, I would, like, sometimes I had a doe come right underneath um, me almost, or like 10 yards near me. I stood up and drew back. And I filmed the whole thing. It's up on my YouTube channel. And I shot right in there. Are you? And I, I was mad. It was 10 yards. So how high off the ground is your platform then? 13, 14 feet maybe. Okay. You just using climbing sticks? No, we got them. Um, we got a, it's, we got two by fours and it's plywood. And then we got a, ladder just a metal ladder that goes up to the platform it's it's a sweet setup it's when it, it's a really heavy duty pop-up blind okay so you know i like it that's cool that's super cool and you you said you're filming you have a youtube channel so are you filming your hunts too yeah how long have you been doing yeah that i also film them hunting it's hunting with preston i'm probably been filming i've been filming for a good while um, I know I had my first deer video on it, so really since maybe 2009, maybe? I don't know. I can't remember. It's been a while. It's since I looked since my first video 10, was. Preston, that's almost 10 years. Video was. That's almost 10 years. That's, that's pretty cool. I yeah. Mean, like, for you only being 17 and been having filming for the last nine years, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, something like um, that, I would say. And what type not of stuff? Not in I'm not sure, but it's around that time. What What type of stuff? Um, are like when you're filming? Are you trying to educate or inform others, or just share the experience? What's kind of the goal that you have as you look to the future? 
I just, I do have, let's see. Well, I want to gain more sponsors, first of all. You know, that's just one thing. I I, I know, I see you all use heated hunts. Well, one's probably a competitor of heated hunts, by the way. Uh, it's called Winsit. Uh, they're pretty good people. The service is good. One of my favorite um, sponsors or partners I have is Antler Grow. It's just a mineral, micronutrient mineral spray. You mix it with water and you spray it on natural brows and food plots. And the other is Fourth Arrow, you know, Fourth Arrow camera arms and stuff like that. Then my little company I made started, and that's it. Well, that's good. That's a good lineup. I don't know if heat hunts are good or not. I, I know they just kind of heat up the, like a heated hunt, like a yeah. heated scent dispenser. So you can put, you know, any urine on there and it just heats it up. Yeah, it's vapor. But, um, it's a vapor scent thing. You know, that's that's cool. Um, I mean, when you think about uh, getting more sponsors, the the way, yeah. I mean, not that it matters, but there should be more to it than that. You know, the, the you know, as long yeah. as you're putting something of substance and value up for folks. and all that too. Yeah. I'm looking for more subscribers. One fifty thirty right now. It fluctuates sometimes. I do. I also do a little bit of fishing, metal detecting. You know, a little bit of other stuff in there too, but mainly hunting and fishing. Yeah, that's cool. What type of are you doing fishing with magnets or or Lynn do metal detecting? You ever do the magnet ones? Some of that, some of that too. But I do bass fishing, trout fishing. Nice. A little bit of salt water. As I say, you got gators down there. You got to worry about that ever. No, I mean, down in Hancock, there's some just south of us, but, you know, nothing really. Up relief. north. Relief. Yeah, geographically challenged here. Are you close to the Florida line in Georgia, or where where in it, Georgia are you? Augusta. Okay. Kind of, I don't know if you, it's near Augusta. So our, prop, our property in the south is near Augusta. Awesome. And everything you, you know, learned from... Suburban hunt, oh, go ahead. I suburban hunt about 20 miles away from Atlanta, so we're right outside Atlanta. It's definitely a different style. Um, you know, like I said, I was trying to do a little bit more research, and it seems like you've you've gotten off to a pretty strong start with the suburban hunting in terms of yeah. getting you know permission to hunt private properties. You know, the first some of the first few things I was reading online are like, you know, do some scouting from the car or the truck, talk to people and then ask often um, for permission because in a suburban setting, like all you really might have is that private access. And so the fact that you got three properties you can bounce around to, that's a pretty strong start. Are you, are you good with those three properties for a little while? Are you going to keep asking for for more access to other? I'm going to ask for more. My dad's like, Just stick with what you got for now. Maybe later expand. But I know one of my buddies on the internet, Lee Ellis, which is Seek One Productions guy, and his buddy, well, Lee Ellis, he would go knock on maybe 50 doors a day in the neighborhood and get maybe 40 no's and 10 yeses. It depends on the day. That's pretty hard it's funny. Sometimes, sometimes he might get, gosh, almost all yeses. It's just they. His buddy Drew says sometimes he just works his magic right and he gets the permission. It, he's a good guy. 
met him once at the GM Wind Outdoor Blast, which if you're ever in the um, Georgia area, they may may not do it this year. I don't know with all this virus, but just every last weekend in July, they have a little Outdoor Blast show. So it's in July. So, yeah, it's going to be kind of close. Hard to know. Yeah, and um, in one year, the year I met we at the GON, he entered one of his deer. Those they call it truck buck, and the biggest I think it's like the biggest antler, the biggest rat deer wins, and they move on. They get entered into the truck buck for that one week. Two years ago, he ended up it was like one eighty. 180-something inch deer named Lefty. So he he um, shoots his truck buck contest, and he won the truck. He won the truck. And, you know, I, I was, I'm happy that he did it, you know. And he then he, in this man, he shot two 200-inch deer, and like, two deer of a lifetime out of Atlanta. That's cool. So. Cool. I don't think I've ever been to Atlanta. And, and I, I've asked him. Or he, I did ask him. He wouldn't enter the um, truck bucket in this year, and he said he can't for like five years or something. Oh, really? So they don't want because to Because he's truck. already entered it yeah. and won it. Because he of, won it, so he has to wait. What kind of truck was it? A Chevy. That's pretty rad. That's pretty A awesome. Chevy. That's cool. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know if we're going to get Greg back or not. Uh, I think his internet went out, but, um, yeah, you know, if if we talked a little bit about the buck you got last year, I don't know if that's the one that stands out to you the most, but, um, you know, you've been filming for almost 10 years. You're, you're 17 years old. Um, you know, what, what so far has been your most memorable hunt? Maybe. I would say my first deer's maybe the one, top two, top five maybe. The um, my first doe, my first deer, my first buck, and then my first buck here in or suburban. Then my first suburban doe, which was with, which was my first doe or deer with a bow. This is your first bow deer? What what like deer? Why? Yeah. Is that why it was so memorable? Because it was your first one, or were there any? Was there anything that stood out as like, you know, when do, as you reflect back on it, like certain features you just keep just that you think about or you can't forget? Well, this is pretty funny. I actually missed a buck, and right before I shot the doe, and I saw I was on the phone with my dad right before all this happened. Like, I was looking up in the sky, and there was a storm up, maybe about mm, thirty miles up up from me hear some storms brewing. I call my dad, do you think I should get down? And as I, I look around, I look out behind me towards the road, and there's all these deer out in the field behind me. So I up, there's deer. I tell my dad there's deer. And this probably big eight comes like 10 yards, shoot miss. He walks off, and it trots off. And then he... um. Well, actually, he shot him at 30. He walked really close. He trots off a grunt, never comes back, but then the doe came almost the same path he took. Shoot the doe, 
she runs off. We're tracking her, bump her a few times, and she got her. How far was the shot? And 10, 15 yards, maybe. That's pretty close. And um, let's see. One time I had to call the um, processor. They're like, um, yeah, are y'all open? We Are y'all, can we bring a deer? And we got a deer that I shot behind her house. And he said, what do you mean you shot behind her house? Uh, we shot it in the suburban setting around some neighborhoods. Why would you shoot a deer in the neighborhood? It's like, but you're a processor in the suburban area. <laughs> you know, why? Does it matter? Why would man? you? Um, it doesn't matter. I mean, you're in a suburban location, but you know, just overall, the suburban hunting it can get tough. It can get easy. It just depends. Yeah, one of the other articles I... I and, just, oh, go ahead. And there was actually down the street from a house, there's about 170 acres, horse farm. They've been shooting some big deer off of it, and there was like a 170-something, I think, shot off of it last, this past season. The um, landowner sent me, sent me a picture of it. It was a big deer. The mass on it was awesome. They had a big mass. And Lee Ellis from Seek One was actually after that there, five miles away from where it was shot. Yeah. It was crazy. They travel seven miles sometimes. Lee Ellis would say he had pictures of the same deer in one night. Seven miles away, he'd get the first picture. Seven miles later, he'd get the same picture of the same buck in the night. Like 24 hours. He'd get the same buck. And different was, location. That, was that during the rut or uh probably. He just says these deer they get in these like fingers of hardwoods and they'll just kinda of run there and see all these woods are kinda of connected so they can, you know, just kind of their home range is kind of I don't know how to explain it. This it's kind of weird. Like they travel a lot. And you don't realize it. I've had a picture of a deer. I put a camera up in the sewer line one time. This is where the heck of it. You know. Mm-hmm. And I had a picture of one of my deer 400 yards away. Yeah. Somewhere I, I was hunting. I've heard two miles is like, you know, pushing it and a half mile, mm-hmm. you know, from their core area. But I, I know during the rut, like, everything kind of changes. Um, kind of why I was asking. I wasn't sure. I wonder when that was. But. Um, yeah, dude, I, I was looking at some other stuff too. And there was a video that first light did where they, they interviewed someone, um, that was doing suburban hunting too, but they were in like Washington County and they were doing it that oh, way for, for oh, 10 years. Is that, is that Washington DC? Uh, yeah. Yep. Oh, I know. Uh, he has a YouTube channel called hunt urban. Okay. Yeah. I might've seen that one. That's okay. It. It's just a totally different style. Like I, mm-hmm. there's some of that going on around here. It's it's something that going on all over the place. Uh, it's just a different methodology. A lot of the same rules and things apply, but there's a couple nuances to it that differ from even like, you know, here in Wisconsin, 
you know, I can hunt Southern farmland zone and then there's urban hunting that I could maybe try to get away with in our, our local area. But then if you head up North into the North woods, that's a totally different hunting style. So even in just our state, there's three different types of, or maybe even four different types of, um, you know, populations of deer hunting that you could do. And you're going to get varying yeah. degrees of difference, um, and strategies and tactics that, you know, are going to apply in some places, but not in others. Right now, you know, I'm shooting for, I was trying to change this real quick. I'm now had to, my dad's like, you need to kind of up your game. I want to, well, he says any deer needs to be 150 plus because the last year I shot was like 110. So really up here, uh, since we get two bucks, I don't know if this will this still be like that in this coming season. You never know. Yeah. Well, I want to, Either I want to do like break it up. Sometimes I like to break it up. One here and one down south, and still one fifty piece. That's how it was for my second buck of the season, which you never got. But how many takes? Know, how many buck takes do you get? How many doe takes do you get per season down there? It's crazy. You got ten does and two bucks. It's what? outrageous. You get, you get we have a high deer density down here. You got ten does. And is that so? The way we do it, you get it. You get you know a gun buck uh, and a and a, an archery buck. No. Um, so how does it look down there for you guys? What nope. is that like? It, it can be either or archery or gun, and weapon of choice basically as long as it's a legal, legal weapon during that time. So during gun season, you can bow hunt, gun hunt, crossbow hunt. And you can you can have all doe tags with a bow. You can fill them all with a bow, all with a gun, as long as it's in season, with a, either in gun or in or whatever. And you know, my first buck, which this is bummer. This is my first suburban buck, but my first buck was a little seven, and never seen that deer again. We were getting mounted, never saw it again. Really? God said it was done. Never seen it again. Oh, that's terrible, man. That's terrible. I'm sorry to hear that. That's and we took it down to in the our um processor down near us. He they had their own taxidermy, and you know he, I guess he just got too many and he couldn't find it. I don't know, but we never seen it again. I had all the money for him, and he just never brought it or never got it to us. Man, what the hell? And we had um, Outdoor Addiction Taxidermy on our show a couple of weeks ago, Alex Lease. I mean, obviously he's not down there, but you know, he talked a little bit about that being a thing in that industry where people will you know, pay to get their deer done and then they don't get them back. And that's such a, that's such a shame you hear about it. And it's, it's, a, it's the worst horror story you can hear. One of the worst for sure. Yeah, it is. That's I mean, he, he did a good job on the euro amount that someone got, we saw, but you know, we just never see mine again. But our guy that we use, he was out of his basement. He does a really good job on him. Cool. My dad's deer should be done soon. What did your dad get? Spot, which is a 125 Damn. in Hancock. That's cool. That's super cool. How do people, um, um Preston, how do people, yeah, you know, and, go ahead. Yeah, you know, you go ahead. I, I was just going to wrap up here a little bit. Um, you know, how do I want to make sure people know how to find you and, and get in touch with you or engage with your content, subscribe to your stuff. It's, how do they so find YouTube, you? YouTube is YouTube's hunting with Preston and it's hunting with Preston on YouTube, hunting with Preston on Instagram 
And that's really about all I have. And I did hear about your Anchor app. The Anchor app, they can get started on a little bit of stuff, but, you know, I only have, like, two little things. Yeah, that's fun. It's so. it's a good place to produce content. Um, You know, like I said, we try to really inform people and educate and share stories and, and all that good stuff and, and have a community of folks that like to come back. And I'll, I'll say, you know, we got a few minutes left here in the show. If anybody yeah. watching wants to call in, yeah, and, um, you know, we take a call or two. Yeah, any and questions. I also have um, a turkey call company. It oh, does make box calls. And I got one right here. Let's hear it. Right there, you know, it's I my best one I sold was sassafras. I just I don't know where to get the sassafras from. And since my dad has worked at a cabinet shop, I pretty much got all the type of wood I need. So I have a whole bunch of it. I just gotta figure out a way I can cut them down right now because the planer at my dad's work needs some new blades, and my table saw broke keeps breaking. So. Oh, damn. How many did you make before just, that happened? I've sold, let's see, I'm making, I'm in the middle of finishing up one for a hunting buddy. And I'm also in the middle, and now I'm going to start making one for uh, one of them, a customer, my aunt. My aunt does some heart, like, there's some, she works in a company, and the guy one in one, so I'm making one for him. See, I made one for a guy, um, that one of my followers on Instagram, and I, uh, I also sold one to a friend at school. So that's awesome. It's, you know, it's slow. It's slowly going, taking, getting better. Just you just got to get it, get it out there. You know, get the company out there. And what's it called? You know, I'm still HWP Box Calls. You know, I don't have a website yet. But I have an Instagram account, and that's how ba- basically the best way to kind of find out is through Instagram. But you know, that's how I try to get in touch with people until get a yeah, that's actual the, website. Yeah, right that's now, how you found us. We, I think we connected on Instagram, and um, yeah, you know, I think you've listened to the show for a little bit, and and today, you know, what, what about me coming on? And so here we are cool yeah so for everybody listening go check out uh, hunting with preston go head over to instagram or youtube uh see what he's got going on uh it's good stuff i mean you're you're a young guy you're a young you're a young buck young pup whatever you want to call it you yeah got, uh lots of years to learn and grow and do and, and you're doing great for for where you're at man that's exciting when do you graduate from high school yeah my dad uh Kind of last year was hard for me and ended up passing a lot of classes. I was supposed to graduate in 2022. So right now, you can consider me a 10th grader, but consider me a 9th grader. But, you know, actually, and I I had to get in those kindergarten. I had to take an extra year of kindergarten because, my, you know, sometimes people don't fully develop. So I just got an extra year. It's called K six, and I was at a private school. Nice. And so I'm, technically, I should be in eleventh grade. Theoretically, I should be in eleventh. So, so you got a couple more years to go. Yep. That's good stuff, man. Well, I know but, it's kind of challenging know, right now with everything going on, but 
you know, hopefully some folks follow yeah, along. And... Yeah. And the one thing about my turkey calls, I'm just, I'm still kind of in that little experimenting phase. You know, like, okay, I can do this, can do this. But, you know, I'm trying to find out what's working best, you know, kind of sell them, get p- people's feedback. And they have recommendations and change something. That's what I want to do. That's great. But, that's I don't know. That's a, that's a good way to do it. You want to get that feedback. Yeah, and it's another way. Like you gotta make sure everything's perfect on these calls. Like one side, every side has to be equal, pretty much. So. Oh, fun man. That's cool. Well, thanks for joining anybody us. Anybody wants to call in, they can. Yeah, I didn't see anybody call through. There's a couple people still on watching. Uh, yeah. Chris Johnson, our buddy, just had me uh, finish the drink that I had. He's on duty right now. So big shout out to Chris. Thanks for serving a country, buddy. And I don't know who the other few people are that are in uh, there. I can only see uh, Chris. But there's a few more in. My uncle, my uncle's a fireman for Clark County Athens, which Clark County is where EGA is, Athens, Georgia. And actually... Seven of the guys in the fire department came up with coronavirus symptoms. So my uncle was one of them that never had the symptoms yet. Well, hopefully he stays safe, man. That's uh, yeah, sketchy and shit. So they're they're wait they're waiting they're actually waiting for the, his buddies are waiting for their their results. Okay. So yeah. and they want to try to do the quick the quick version of the test. But the county said, no, you need to do the better way, which is the long version. So it might be another week before we know if yeah, they have it. Good. Well, good luck but, with that, man. Hopefully everyone stays safe and healthy. And, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna end the live feed. But, uh, you know, Preston, thanks for being on the show tonight, man. Yeah. We, we appreciate you taking time out of your, yeah. your schedule to be on You're with welcome. us. All right, folks. Good luck, guys, this turkey season. Hell yeah. Have a good night. The tip of the week. The tip of the week is brought to you by Deervane. Well, Deervane.com has some of the most practical whitetail hunting tips that I've ever come across, and uh, you know, I would say that what you get on this show is just a tidbit of what Anthony has to offer. So be sure to go over to Deervane.com and subscribe to their YouTube channel. He also has a podcast too. So some really really great content coming out of what they are producing right now. I highly recommend it. Uh, Let's hear what Anthony has to say this week. What's up, everybody? Thanks for making it this far into the podcast. Here is your tip of the week. Uh, One thing I really like to do in the spring for in regards to deer hunting is actually getting on a trail and following it. And that's right off the bat. So when you're out there, you're out scouting, there's always there's there's generally four wheel trails or walking paths or something like that. But it's actually been very helpful to me personally, to just get on a deer trail and just follow it and see how it maneuvers around the four wheel trails, around the highly pressured areas, and just stay on it for as long as you can. And then when you get to like, say a boundary of public private land boundary, turn around, find a different trail and get on that and just really understand uh, how the deer use a piece of property. Because you always, there's always uh, four wheel trails and human trails cut into it. But understanding how the deer move throughout can really give you a greater idea as to how you can ambush them, how you can set up 
where they're going to see you, where they're not going to see you, generally where they bed, where they don't bed, and also um, where they can smell you and where they won't be able to smell you. So I hope that helps a lot and uh, you guys use that to your advantage and uh, capitalize on a nice buck this fall. All right, thanks. All right, welcome to the news segment of the show brought to you by eHunter. Head on over to eHunter.com. And just to make sure I get that correct, it's E-H-U-N-T, the letter R.com. And that stands for Electronic Hunt Resource, specifically uh, missing that vowel for a reason at the end. But they are your uh, go-to site for anything and everything hunting related. eHunter is the last one-stop shop resource you will ever need. See what they got to say for us this week. Hey, everybody, this is Casey with eHunter. That's the letter E, the word hunt, and the letter R, eHunter.com. A couple of quick housekeeping items right now. I just want to toss out a shout out to the crew at Where to Hunt for giving us a slot here for the news. We're really grateful to be able to add value to your time as the listener. Uh, the other thing I want to mention is we are very open and accepting to whatever feedback and suggestions you have that you would like to see us cover on news topics or content that you would like to see or something that we need to research or look into, hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or through the website and let us know. We really appreciate it. Okay, last week, the week of about April 6th, 2020, we reported on Washington State potentially looking to ban hunting competitions, specifically coyote hunting. In the eHunter newscast, which is eHunter's own podcast. We call it the newscast, naturally. Taryn got an interview with Anise Audi, the game division manager for Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife. These episodes are, the newscast episodes are about 30 minutes, so very consumable. I would recommend listening to that. You'll get the best information there straight from the horse's mouth. We also reported on Wyoming shed season laws, some changes there. So out west, there are winter uh, winter range areas where deer and elk and other wildlife come together in herds in the winter. And those areas a lot of times are protected until May 1st. There, there's no public access allowed in some of these winter range areas up until May 1st. And what Wyoming did here is they expanded some restrictions for shed hunting. We uh, reported on the Idaho turkey hunting outlook. Overall, the outlook is good. We break things down region by region uh, and cover things like winter survival and some new public land access. However, Idaho also has temporarily suspended all non-resident hunting license sales. So that happened on May 4th. They temporarily suspended all non-resident license sales. And then on April 9th, they amended that to allow people that had already purchased licenses um, to be able to go ahead and do those hunts. And then another Idaho topic is their Access Yes program. This is a partnership between private landowners and the state to allow people to hunt on private property. Uh, there's a grant awarded to this program at $900,000 to expand it, expand some public access to private land. There was already 300,000 acres in this program, so Odds are this 900,000 will really grow that initiative. Uh, Yuma County, Colorado has modified their turkey season according in accordance with the state. Um, the state approved 
to allow Yuma County to modify their turkey season dates due to coronavirus concerns. The turkey season is not closed, it's just modified. They changed the dates. And what's interesting here is that the population of Yuma County is about four to five people per square mile. So it seems like a, kind of an aggressive deal for uh, a, not a very populated area up in northeast Colorado. Over in Tennessee, there was a herd of four bison euthanized. There's a preserve there with a bunch of bison and four of them escaped after much effort by the locals and municipality in the county to corral and catch these bison. The preserve owner agreed to um, have them euthanized out of sheer safety concern. Those animals are huge and they can cause a lot of damage. And then also under coronavirus concerns, Nebraska has suspended all non-resident turkey license sales. They made an exception for anyone that had already purchased a tag as a non-resident. They could go ahead and follow through with their hunt, but they are not selling anymore. So that's it for last week. If you want to know more, these are just kind of the wave top things. You should hit up the website for the latest and more robust information. You can search by state or region or animal, etc. So thanks for the time and take care. All right, Casey, thanks so much. Uh, you guys from eHunter really kind of cover a wide swath of topics around the country. We appreciate it a whole bunch. Um, you know, I'll just wrap up by saying if you haven't uh, heard what we're doing with Patreon or know what the hell Patreon even is, head over to our Instagram page. I think that's probably the easiest way to see what that's all about. But we're doing a big giveaway. Uh, every three months, we're going to do a giveaway. We're going to take the money we get from Patreon. So for $5, you can subscribe to Patreon to support this show. And uh, out of the gate, we're going to send you, uh, you know, a can koozie. It's okay. And uh, a sticker. That's okay, too. Um, but beyond that, every three months, then, what we're going to do is any money we get from that, as well as some money out of the pocket, we're going to do some big giveaways. So we are partnering up with uh, some of our partners to help with that. Vector Custom Shop is going to give away a six-pack of arrows, so half a dozen arrows. And Outdoor Addiction Taxidermy, one of our recent guests, is going to give away some free butchering to those folks that are in Wisconsin that might be able to receive that. And we're talking with some others to kind of add on to that. But then we're trying to figure out, are we going to give away a bow or a tree stand or something else? If you have thoughts on something you think we might or ought to give away, let us know. And if you want in on that right now, we, we're so new to it that we only have five subscribers or five members to Patreon and uh, that's a, those are really, really good odds to win potentially a new bow or tree stand, six arrows to go with that, uh, free butchering, and then a whole bunch of other stuff too. We're just going to make an announcement once we kind of secure what that's going to be. But go ahead and put your uh, money where your mouth is if you want to enter that drawing. That's all you have to do. There's no crazy share this, share that, like this, post these people, tag that person, um, blah, 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 blah. It's just go to Patreon, sign up and you're good. We'll enter you in and you get some free stuff out of the gate. So that's what we got for you folks. Thanks for tuning in today's episode. Next week, we're talking with the ranch fairy. So if you made it this far and you want to know who the hell we're going to talk to next week, it's the ranch fairy and it's going to be a good episode. If you want to talk about front of center and, uh, you know, Twizzlers and all sorts of other fun shit, <laughs> you're going to want to tune in for that one. So it'll be live 
per usual on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time next week, Tuesday. So be sure to tune in for that one if you want to call in and ask questions. We'll open up the phone lines towards the end of the show. And uh, then I'll be live in podcast land later that night for everyone else to tune in. So thanks for uh, listening along with us today. Have a great day. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We hope everyone's doing okay. And hum public. <laughs>